everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist and I'm joined today by Vry Kaiser and very special guest Miranda Sanchez. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Yeah, hi, I'm Vry. I'm the, well, I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. I also write for a bunch of places around the internet and you can find links to stuff that I've done on my Twitter at writer Vry, or just toss my name into Google. And you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And I'm Reyna Sanchez. I'm an editor at IGN. I pretty much run most of our anime content. I like to say only the good stuff, but you never know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I'm just really happy to be here and talk about Kill Kill, which is one of my favorite anime. I've seen it twice this is kind of or I guess chunks of it three or four times so this is kind of a special time where I'm actually sitting down with everybody and looking at it from a very different perspective where I haven't before so it's been a fun show oh that's great but it is super not over yet we (laughs) have half a series to talk about yet um so a watch along for the people unfamiliar um is where we sit down with six episodes at a time um it is a group of people made up of an expert or somebody who's seen the show, loves it, is happy to talk about it critically, that in this case is Miranda, and then two people who haven't seen it before, or in this case, like, Vry hasn't seen it in completion, I think you saw a bit of the beginning and you've seen a bit of the end, but not not a lot in between, uh, yeah. so this is your first full run-through, whereas I'd never seen any of it, quite deliberately, um, so now we're all watching it together, six episodes at a time. Vry and I don't really know the details of what's coming, though I know Vry's had some spoilers. Um, and just critiquing it from a feminist perspective, which I think shows like Kill the Kill are actually more enjoyable for me to watch that way, I think, than just sitting down watching it. I'm not sure I would have made it through, actually, just as a viewer. In fact, I know I definitely wouldn't have made it through. So this is making it more enjoyable for me, too. You're you're both very sweet. I do want to know who the prospective listener is that's picking this up three episodes into the watch along. <laughs> you never know. Maybe there's like one episode in this bunch that they wanted to hear about specifically. It's I it's it true. This is where all the big plot twisty twists are. I mean, I don't know if they're all in here because I don't know what's coming, but certainly I mean, this is the last enough. spoiler I knew. Oh, okay, great. Um yeah, this, <laughs> it got to a point where I was thinking, huh, Kill the Kill really picks up in episode 17. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the last couple of episodes actually weren't a real chore for me to watch, which was nice. Good. Um, and I'm, yeah, I had this with Berserk as well when we did the watch along for that, where it, it hit a point around episode 13, 14, where I was like, oh no, I'm really enjoying this now. And Kill the Kill just took a bit longer. I don't know if it's going to last, but I I really got a lot out of these these episodes. I think shifted the series a bit for me. Um, Some might Fry, say that's your, called Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, what was your experience with these six compared to the previous six or twelve? Um, if, if I may walk you through my experience with these just a little bit, uh, it started with <laughs> Nui, which is a bad sign. That's a bad thing that I don't enjoy. But then it it got into the the Kansai arc, which I was having a really good time with, and I was getting into it, and I was thinking, oh, uh, you know, this this is fun. I'm spending time with all the characters I really like, and they're doing the fun, stupid gimmicks, which I also really like, and there is good for- fight co- choreography, which I like. So it was all the things that I had previously enjoyed about Kill a Kill, and the Satsuki Ryuko fight is really prettily animated, and that was fun. And so... 
I was texting my uh, my wife and telling her, well, you know, I'm I'm not entirely sure this this makes it worth the people who say, oh no, you just have to sit through this show to get to the good stuff and you'll understand. But you know, to their credit. This is getting better, and I'm really starting to, to vibe with this show. And then the incestuous rape scene happened, and I realized yeah. that I was still watching Kill a Kill, and it had betrayed me, and I felt like a foolish fool. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, the mother, you're talking about the bath scene, right? Yes. Yeah, the ritual purification scene. Right, that's for people who have watched the show before, specifically in episode 16, um, Satsuki goes home after her glorious victory over the other schools, and I guess Ragyo feels like she's comfortable enough to perform this purification ritual, but, like, for me, I don't know how you guys interpret it, like, this is, yeah, by far the most uncomfortable scene in the entire show, and I hate it, and I wish it wasn't here, I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to prove that she's a domineering presence anymore, like, we, we get that. You don't need <laughs> to have her just assault her daughter. We get it. It's so awful, and like the the closest thing to a like a reasoning that I can think of for why it's included is to give us a scene of Satsuki looking vulnerable. But no, no, it's not. Yeah, I I think maybe the vulnerability there with her mother because there's she's so tough against everybody, and having her go home and be in this really weird state where she's not the top dog is rare, but. I think another reasoning may have been that they're like, oh, well, I think they wanted to show how Ragyo is getting back into it, showing she's more evil because she does not regard her, her daughter as a human, but as a possession that she has to purify and essentially can do whatever with. And now that she's purified her, she feels like she can trust her or something. I know there are readings of this show of people who got something out of it, um, who really enjoyed Satsuki's relationship with her mother as like a, a depiction of somebody getting out from under an abusive parent so i i can see that finding value in that storyline generally speaking um i did not enjoy that we are now two for two on the only like sexually aggressive women in kill a kill are the two evil villains who also hit on other women specifically underage girls did not enjoy that yeah, it felt very much to me. I mean, the framing of it as well. It felt very much like, hey, mother-daughter hotness in the bath. Like, yeah. It didn't feel meaningful. It didn't feel like it was saying something more. I am glad that people have been able to pull something more out of it. We're all very familiar with taking more meaning from problematic media than was necessary intended. Um, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to that in any way, but it didn't feel like that was the intention with which that scene was created. And it felt very uncomfortable. So I saw I saw that and I was like that that has to be one of the first things we talk about right that has to come yeah. up soon. Well, it it made me so depressed because I really was like getting into the show up to that. I really yes. the Kansai arc is really really great and I had a fun time with it because it was ah. just everything about the show that I I had been enjoying sort of concentrated with a minimal about a bullshit because Ryuko is also trying to get back Senketsu. So there's not like a whole lot of gratuitous nudity nudity. Except that Nonon is wearing gym panties for some reason. What the fuck ever. <laughs> yeah, okay. That I I think I enjoyed the end of the... I can't remember what it's called. But they're fighting to get their status back. And they're fighting against Yuko. Like that, I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the Elite Four. Because I enjoyed the Elite Four. Um, the Kansai arc didn't really do much for me, I think. 
It was um, so dumb in the like, best right, way. You, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you have you had some things to say about that, though, with the factions. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's like, uh, you know, I've brought up, I think, in both the previous watch-alongs, and I will come back to this a little bit later, I think, in a different way, but in the element of, oh, this show is dumb, but it's saying a thing in, in a way that is also concurrent with its dumbness, the money is power scene is so completely lacking in tact or subtlety in a way that I kind of respect. <laughs> because like, all right, kill a kill, this is fucking dumb, but you put all your cards on the table and I'm having a good time. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> oh, this is not for me, you guys. Um, the Yeah, I didn't enjoy that so much. I enjoyed it more when it came back to the, the Honnoji uh, Academy. I think that was... That it feels like that's where the story's been told, and that they strayed out of that for a little while to give you a change of scenery, and then going back to it, it feels like okay, episode seventeen, eighteen. That's where the story kicks off. That's how it feels, and that's that's a long intro to a to a story. That's pretty much like Gurren Lagann, like almost the exact oh, really? same thing. Yeah, because it's like the first half, it's like the story, and then something major happens, and everything changes, and then a few episodes in, and you finally realize what is the massive problem, like what is the main conflict that everyone's trying to resolve, and then the rest of the show, which is usually just a few episodes, um, is about that part. And so it's like a lot of, of building, and then the journey up to that, and while I think it can kind of work, and I, I know enjoyed the first half a little bit more than you two um <laughs> the second half i think i always appreciate that because then you're kind of you can't be used to anything and they're always throwing surprises like I, I, they even make a joke in their i think it was episode 16 when they're doing the yeah they're doing their uh recap episode the oh yeah minute joking at themselves episode. Yeah, yeah, it was like about being like breakneck speed and like they're like, oh yeah, we're known for our pacing, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so like I appreciate that they lean into that pretty hard as well. All right, brief counterpoint. One thing I will say for Kill a Kill is it's a lot smarter than Gurren Lagann. That's a low bar, but I yes. want to give Kill a Kill that. <laughs> yes. It just it has a similar format. and, and No, yeah, I feel you, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, when it does come back to, to Honnoji um, and we have this kind of showdown between Ragyo and Satsuki. The, the idea that, that Satsuki is not actually human any not Satsuki, sorry, Ragyo is not actually human anymore. And they've got this whole backstory with Satsuki's father and like that, that kind of thing I was actually really interested in. It also doesn't feel like the story we've been telling so far at all. So like, I'm, I'm really interested in where this is going actually but I'm a bit frustrated that it took 17 like 16 17 episodes to get there I right think. well I think maybe just because they wanted to make it about like Ryugo first and now it's becoming more and more about Satsuki and I think them slowly revealing that was more interesting because like Satsuki's intentions like we've mentioned before has never really been out front and she's just kind of you know running the school and it seems really awful and she's the enemy until Nui comes in and then Ragyo comes in and now we kind of have uh, clarity for why one the elite four are just awesome They're, they've always been awesome all right <laughs> yeah, this is true. and then uh uh and why Satsuki's kind of I guess plays it really close to home and she doesn't really expose what she's trying to do with anyone outside of the elite four um, because it is such a sensitive mission i guess yeah yeah i mean the, the structure of kill a kill is not an unfamiliar one it, to me anyway um 
it, Princess Tutu has a very similar kind of format. Oh, really? Yeah. With with its main rival antagonist and then sympathizing them in the back half. So like I'm familiar with this structure. It's a lot a lot of the trouble with that kind of show is you have to be okay with the episodic build up and like there for that kind of content in order to sink into yeah. the the more lore based stuff that you have to wait and this for. Is, and this is where I've struggled, but I will say that I think certain things have been consistent. And there are certain things of the consistency that I really like. I still really like the aesthetic. I still really like the kind of interesting stylistic things they do, like having the big kanji characters as a part of the scene. I really enjoy that. Um, I really, really appreciate how you have all these female characters who are quite different and who fight each other. And it gets messy and it is violent and it is not remotely not remotely glamorous and they're not remotely samey and I think that's that's something that I really respect and I really like about a series but every time Junketsu or or Senketsu shows up I'm like nope (laughs) I cannot get over this I cannot get over these fan service outfits I'm 18 episodes in now and every time they show up it puts me on edge and I hate it Oh no, I'm just ranting. I just hate it so much. And I it frustrates me that the expectation is that you should stop caring and it should stop bothering you because by this point, the qualities of the show have made themselves known. And if you're a real connoisseur, if you're a real critic, you should be able to look past this thing. And I can't. And I don't feel why I should. I don't I don't think that's fair. It's frustrating. And I don't feel like it has given me enough to justify not being bothered by it. Yeah, I think there is an important distinction to be made that I I'm I, this is going to be such an a not all kill a kill fans because I'm sure there are a lot of fans who are like Miranda who just enjoy this thing and are completely yeah. open and aware of the issues it has. But I have had some run-ins with the fandom over the year and indeed during this watch along uh and i think right now we need to draw a distinction between a show that is feminist and a show that has interesting female characters yes that's very important it's like maybe there are things that could be feminist but then they don't play out that way so it's not um and just yeah having great female characters does not make it a feminist show or feminist like i I really like Satsuki and Nonon and, and Ryuko and Mako. I think they're all delightful, but I don't think this show is feminist. I really don't. And we should we should clarify that actually we've discussed many times that the question, is this feminist, is very limited in usefulness. Oh, like, it's stupid. It's a stupid question. We've talked within this episode about the value that people have drawn from something that can also be seen as uncomfortable and completely anti-feminist we are not saying for a second that a show has to be feminist or has to be considered feminist to have worth and i think that's where the frustration lies i mean i know caitlin's talked about this before she has this great talk about the the problem of the question is this feminist and in it she says something like there are only actually three or four anime that she thinks could be considered truly feminist for the, for the reason she gives it's on her site uh heroin problem heroin with an e should you wish to look it up so we're not saying that not fitting into that upper echelon of three or four anime means that it's entirely without worth or that it's not enjoyable or that it's not valuable to feminists but the problem comes when people say i believe it has worth therefore it must be feminist 
Right. And I know that's an attitude that you have come up against very, fairly recently, I think. I'm dying. I'm dying and this show's fandom is killing me. Aww. Yeah. No, I mean, I've come up against it too. The amount of people... I'm, I'm in this watch-along because nobody expected me to enjoy it, basically. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm a part of this show, is people would say to me, you should watch Kill the Kill. If you can just get over the fan service, you'll really enjoy it. It's really feminist. I hate that this is so much right it's like you so, can't just say get over a part that is obviously prevalent throughout the entire series that is going to make somebody uncomfortable it's like you can't say that and yet people do and this is many people and this is well-meaning people and this is people who share my politics this is people who understand my tastes in anime at the same time if these people enjoy kill the kill they will say to me you should watch it you can enjoy it too and it's like yeah you know in theory i probably could enjoy it if i were a different person who doesn't value lack of fan service as highly as i do and i'm being really specific here like i i hate the objectification of bodies and that includes male bodies i haven't even seen free all the way through i don't enjoy it so i that's not free i i feel pretty nonplussed about free in general but i don't enjoy seeing bodies objectified at all any gender any bodies so this was never going to be for me but there are people who insisted that it, it would be for me because it is feminist because they found worth in it therefore it is feminist yeah. and that i'm really glad that we're doing this watch along so we can have a nuanced discussion about it and kind of and that i'll be in a stronger position to have that conversation with people going forward where i can say well actually i did watch it all the way through let's have this discussion right I, I wanted to talk actually this go round about fandom nostalgia because I think it's mm -hmm. really prevalent with Kill a Kill uh, because I think this series hit a lot of people in middle school or high school where, you know, your emotions are very middle intense. School? Seriously? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like your emotions are intense. Uh, you're really able to zero in on elements of a series that speak to you and do that thing where you kind of block out the other shit. And then it, you get older and you really strongly connect the good parts of that show that spoke to you with these strong emotions and you don't really remember the other parts so clearly. And also you maybe get defensive and that kind of makes you an asshole. Uh, and also you maybe haven't revisited this series or can't take the nostalgia goggles off because that's an exercise that takes practice. And I don't mean this in a way that's like kill a kill fans are dumb and stupid. I, because it's no, not about is... any one particular fandom. Like, for instance, um, no. I was super into Death Note in high school, and I still have an unaccountable fondness for that series, even though it's a misogynistic piece of trash that's really, really poorly plotted in the second half. Or, yep. like, I, I, you know, I, I have a fondness for Gundam 00 because literally two characters were super important to a very specific time in my life. So, yeah. and that is also a series that's poorly plotted and full of terrible gender roles. <laughs> and I couldn't, in good conscience, recommend it to anybody, but it's kind of important to me. So, like, everybody has these shows, but yes. the important part is being able to take off the nostalgia goggles and be honest with yourself about why this speaks to you and how that relates to how you converse about it with other people. Right. I don't even think, like, you need to take the goggles off. Like, I think it's totally okay to say this is a show that I can't have these conversations about. I have a few shows or series like that where I'm like, I'm sorry, it's important to me and therefore I do not want to think about it critically. That's fine. I think make that choice. Right. Also a problem there too is that people, I guess, relate their identity so much now with 
what they consume and what they consider to be like their favorite things. And so when you insult those favorite things or have a problem with those favorite things, then you're suddenly insulting them, which is not the case ever. And I mean, we, I encounter this like constantly with my job. It's like, well, I say this thing is not great. Well, they're like, well, you're awful. And like, you hate this thing. And I'm like, no, I just said, I did not like a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. people just take it so personally. And that's the hard part about a lot of, I guess, people that participate in quote unquote the fandom right um Mm -hmm. and i see that more often than not with that and it's like we're not this is not about you right it's not about you (laughs) i have shows like that now now the year of our lord 2018 i will fight you in a parking lot if you have bad things to say about oscar but but it's okay (laughs) yeah i think that's it is one thing we're trying to achieve with anime feminist is providing examples of holding these conversations in a way that is respectful but critical right those are hard to find and it's really important to have them and it's really important for for fans especially marginalized fans which is who we try to cater our content to um to have those spaces to talk about i love this and therefore i i feel this way about it or i have this particular intersection in my identity and as a result i drew this meaning from this show which is otherwise considered hugely problematic all these kinds of approaches to conversation and criticism around media it's really important to me that we make a space where those conversations can be held um i love that this podcast is one of them the twitter commentary around it i think Actually, through the Anafem Twitter, people have been giving us really good feedback. They've been really positive about it. And I hope that that continues. Um, but I know that just on a personal level, like I've stopped talking about Kill the Kill for the moment because I want to avoid spoilers. Right. But when I do start talking about it again, it'll be interesting to see if people try to change my mind even once I've seen the series all the way through. Excuse I, me, you didn't feel watch implausible. it correctly. You weren't interrogating yeah, I, the text from the right perspective. <laughs> I mean, I can see, I can see that happening though, can't you? Yes. So it's, I, I really want us to normalize the idea that you don't have to like something to acknowledge its value. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't, kind of bring it back to video games for a second. Um, I don't love The Last of Us like the rest of the games industry. Um, I have a lot of problems with it, but I appreciate why people enjoy it and what they find valuable about it. Like there's right. so many things. It's like I see why. And I don't agree for my personally, but critically, I can understand what points are valuable to people or just like even as a person, I see what points are valuable to people. But that's really important to do. And it's important to also like recognize that people can have issues with things you love. So, right. Well, and there's this is not a tangent we can go down. But as an English yeah. major, I'm, I'm entirely salty all of the time forever that English classes for high school students teach new criticism, which kind of tell it imparts to you that there's one right way to read a text as opposed to every other school of literary criticism that came after and is far more valuable, and I'm so mad about it. You're mad about things, Vry? Like, <laughs> I know, the world is shocked. That's so out of character. <laughs> there are multiple ways to read a text, and those things can stand by one another, and it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think Killer Kill is a, is a good text for that. Um, at the same time, while we are looking at it critically... Um, I know, Vry, you wanted to talk a bit about the intersectionality or lack thereof yeah, of Kill the Kill. Um, I think that's really important. <laughs> so um, in the last watch along, I mentioned that I kind of had this concern that, you know, Nudist Beach is most prominent members are dudes. 
and then Ragio appears to be the big bad uh, with her, you know, henchwoman sociopath. God, I hate her. Nui. Um, and that's not like a great dynamic for your good versus evil conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, that's worse here. <laughs> that's worse here. Uh, Ragio does indeed appear to be the worst and most awful villain. And like Nudist Beast is clearly a flawed organization, but they're also there to support the heroes and uh, be on the side-ish of right while while Ragio is the big bad who has lost track of her, who has lost touch with her humanity. And meanwhile, Ragi we have now the additional la layer that Ryuko's dad was the one who understood that these experiments were monstrous and he did it the right and better way when he made Senketsu. And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's Jesus like Christ, the, the gender monsters. dynamics create another monster but i made the right one i made it right and better my <laughs> penis guided me like a guiding light penis lights that's, uh, <laughs> i'm sorry is that not a canonical thing within this show because that's a, yeah that's a, that's a thing it just that's i was i was gonna say it actually made me think of that scene you know where um I, it, it's back at the school when the the uprising has begun mm -hmm. when uh, the guy what's his name mikisugi is it the the teacher uh, discount Sion? Oh, up. no, that guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and he shows up butt first in his robot. And it's, he's got this, like, piece of mechanical equipment where you would imagine his penis might be. And it's, like, waggling at Ryuko as he's talking to her. Uh, it was just... I I get the, uh, yeah, the, the ridiculousness that with which human bodies are treated in Kill the Kill is not just women. I do understand that. But that, that moment was so off-putting. Do you know the moment I mean? Yes, yes. I do. The DTR. Okay, excellent. The just reveal. making sure it didn't just stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. That would be unfair. Um, oh, I also last shout out to the fact that last watch along, I mentioned that I would love to see some gender play of any kind with the uniforms and, or presentation. And that does briefly happen here with the sociopathic villain character in that, in that first episode where, where Nui disguises herself as the journalist for a while. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, I hate it. I hate everything she represents. <laughs> yeah, she's... Anytime she's on screen, she's like, stop. Also, Go like, away, cut also, her out. That episode was so... Because it, it was a genuinely traumatic and terrible moment for Ryuko, right as they zoom in on that camel toe when, her, when Senketsu's being cut up. And I was saying, kill a kill, why? I was, I was trying to get emotionally invested in this, and you've shown me an underage girl's vagina. Why have you done this? I mean, they keep doing that. The Junketsu transformation in particular is awful for that. Yeah, it's weird how when Ragyo puts on uh, Junketsu, her transformation sequence is less explicit. That's really weird and random. Yeah, I thought that. I'm I'm not sure if it's um, because it's Kamui Junketsu, but either way, why would you why would you not go there with the adult? <laughs> right, um, like the one person that would be at least somewhat acceptable. It's like, please. Right, like, I was gonna say, <laughs> I have a way, way higher tolerance for stupid fan service when it's of adults. Like, <laughs> yeah. my my bar goes up exponentially for that stuff. Yeah. And, um, but speaking of intersectionality, talking of, and the gender politics of, you know, who controls what, who is in power. I think I I do genuinely think this is accidental, like one of those things where it's an unconscious bias. Uh, but Kill the Kill has set up this system where it's about overthrowing systems of power and, you know, those very Marxist undertones. But it's also 
once again set up fashion as this thing that's women oppressing other women like they do. Certainly, the fashion industry is not predominantly run by men in all of the most powerful positions. And meanwhile, the good dudes are here to dismantle this system. And this, like, in its attempt to say a thing it completely misunderstands the intersection between how people are oppressed and how marginalized identities are oppressed within larger structures of oppression. And that's extremely frustrating. Uh, and in addition, I think part of why people say that that kill a kill gets easier to take as it goes on is you can see, like you can genuinely see this shift where it doesn't want to talk about women's bodies it wants to talk about bodies and the consumption of bodies and how bodies are dressed but the thing is kill a kill you spent your entire first half talking very specifically about how women's bodies like cis women's bodies because god help us trigger doesn't know anything else are consumed <laughs> and seen and taken advantage of with all these elements of sexual menace and no, I'm not going to forget that that was like a foundational part of your metaphor, even though you've decided you want to go and do something else now. You introduced these things and then did not deal with them because they weren't actually part of the larger metaphor that you wanted to address. And I kind of resent that for because it tapped into a deep thing for shock value and then didn't actually think about it. How did you feel about the the way they did present their theme in the end? about how the 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 life fibers are aliens and they've come down and the, the, but the idea that of i mean it's essentially clothes clothes maketh the man right that's they've taken that to these kind of sci-fi extremes that clothes made humans yeah i mean like in general removing it from the me metaphor themes briefly just very surface level it's the kind of incredible stupidity that i can kind of respect <laughs> like I, I think I took a screenshot at one point during that episode and was like, I think this show might be stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it's a message that I particularly like, actually, and it's one that I think Princess Jellyfish has probably covered in the way that I like the most to date. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that clothes are a source of power that they do affect how you present yourself, how even like how you identify. I've certainly experienced the power of putting on different clothes than usual and it does make me feel different it makes me behave differently and so on and I feel like that is something that's actually relatability within that theme for a lot of people yeah that and I sorry go ahead oh sorry no that's an intensely powerful theme to to play yeah. with is the thing like exactly it's like you know something like wandering sun the trans anime capital letters <laughs> is so much about clothing and how clothing yes effects presentation and perception like these are exactly. powerful themes that kill a kill has the potential to use and kind of does in the most pedestrian way possible yeah i mean that's i i'm viewing it slightly differently and that this watching this show has been quite difficult for me it's been challenging i've been struggling with it and i appreciate the fact that there is this theme that i can potentially get something out of as you say they're kind of taking it to the most ridiculous extremes they can and they're approaching it in a way that's not uh it doesn't feel insightful i guess it, it doesn't feel like i'm learning anything of value from it or i'm taking much of value from it but i do at least appreciate that it's a theme that i can enjoy being explored even at that level if that makes sense it's kind of 
reminiscent of Harry Potter to me, where like Harry okay. Harry Potter. It's not exactly the same, but it, the general. <laughs> Obviously, it's not exactly the back same. But the like, back oh, kill, kill it, Harry Potter, huh? Hmm. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm not going to back down from that. I just want to clarify that I, I'm talking more about systems of behavior. Right. Uh, this idea yes. that kill a kill. Harry Potter introduced this world that J.K. Rowling was, uh, and uh, that pe- really spoke to people and like really hit on some emotional core and hit a lot of young people who took it with them when they grew up, who then did much more interesting things with it uh, while J.K. Rowling and every canonical thing she tries to introduce after the last book of the series has handled marginalized identities in worse and worse ways. Dumbledore was on roller skates the whole time, you guys. We just didn't mention it because it wasn't important to Harry's journey. Uh, It's probably less said about J.K. Rowling the better at this point. But like that is what, because I think what Kill a Kill is, is something similar, is that Kill a Kill introduces this very potent theme that the actual series doesn't really do much with, but it speaks to people so powerfully that in the years since this series has come out, I think in their minds, in their headcanons, they have made it some what it could have been as opposed to what it is. Right. Uh, the nostalgia element that we discussed earlier. What, yeah. And you know what? I, Kill a Kill, I don't think I've ever seen an anime that I would so desperately like to see somebody else remake that is not cis straight men. <laughs> that's I can I can get behind that I would be interested in a remake of this where it takes the themes and presents it differently I absolutely agree mm-hmm. <laughs> like for, so, uh, in, in that department I can see why people just hold on to it in dreams of what it could have been I get that and I think that's another thing that we all we all have those anime where we're like oh it would have been so much better if it had done xyz rolling girl but I appreciate it I'll never stop thinking about that. Uh, So, so on on this note, then, where where do you want it to go from here, Fry? Like, where do you think? Um, I, and I mean, it's almost a given that this is going to happen. But gosh, I really want, I really want Satsuki and and Ryuko sisterly bonding. I need it. I need it. It feels like they're closer at the moment and I really like that I really enjoy that yeah that that and was the last good tw- the, the last big twist I knew was that uh, Satsuki and Ryuko were related yeah oh man oh and that was the, the, yeah. I think the reveal is really cool though because I mean I think there are hints there like if you really look at their character design you see similarities but that doesn't tell you that much um <laughs> I think it was smart of them to do that reveal in that same episode because like, they're obviously like, let's talk about this thing. You have a missing sister who's probably dead, but she's not dead. She's probably not dead. Oh, surprise. <laughs> it's Ryuko. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I respect that it it respected its audience enough to not treat this like some big multi-arc mystery when it's the information is also clearly there if you've watched a thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a really good reveal. I had this moment where she pulls Yuko's heart from her chest and I had this moment of, oh no. And it was, it was really satisfying that that, that happened, I guess. I always appreciate a good twist in a show and a good reveal. Yeah. And I, I did really enjoy that. The body um, horror and- in these episodes was kind of on point and I am always about quality body horror. Oh gosh. In these episodes? Yeah. Well, with the heart scene and um, some of, some of the, art design around Ragyo and there was some good shit 
as far as that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ragyo generally, like, just her menace is portrayed so well through how they animate her and just, like, the framing of her generally. Um, like, I know there's sometimes when she's looking at somebody, and it's not a sinister scene, but just the way, like, they zoom in on her face and kind of distort it makes it sinister. And it's just mm-hmm. awesome. Also, with Nagyo... Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I just wanted to give a shout-out to the soundtrack, because I'm normally not a huge fan of of background music that is very lyrically heavy, but this show uses it well, and Ragyo's theme is pretty aces. I know exactly what you're talking about, because I had a, exactly the same experience. Mm-hmm. About, I'm noticing this, but I'm enjoying it. Um, on, on Ragyo, I don't know if I'm the only one who had this experience, but I kept waiting for a gender reveal. I kept waiting for the reveal to be that Lagia was either not a woman or, I mean, it turned out to be not human, but just purely from the fact that her voice is more masculine in the same way as Nuko's voice is more masculine. Maybe that's another kind of hint connecting the two. Um, and the fact that she is, I don't know, just the way they presented her character, I kept expecting there to be a gender reveal. Yeah. And... I'm pleased that they didn't go down that road. You know what? Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm glad that Trigger doesn't know trans people exist because that is exactly what they do. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah I did. Miranda, do you remember when you watched it the first time? You kind of had any kind of suspicions around Nagio? Actually, no. I didn't. I w- didn't ever think that that would be a thing. That's interesting. Even now, like I, I'm just kind of a little surprised, but. It was like when she when she goes into the bath with um, Satsuki and I was like, oh, I guess that's not the case. And then I realized that I've been waiting for it. <laughs> so I hadn't actually noticed it up until that point. It's just one of those things that you, you just pay attention to the cues, you know, and she and Satsuki both have this slightly kind of, I think in their character design, there's something quite masculine around their jaws. Does that make sense? They've also got the caterpillar eyebrows, yes. which are Yeah, and they, there are just, there's just little hints towards masculinity without obviously being male and I, I it was just something I noticed that I had been expecting and I didn't even realize I'd been expecting it until the bath scene which kind of debunked this expectation I didn't realize I had dear internet but please I'm... send me all of your trans satsuki headcanons <laughs> that would be great yes <laughs> except not not in this particular context cuz yeah, I no. do not trust Trigger to be honest. <laughs> no, not Trigger. This is this is Harry Potter things again. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, uh, so from No, go ahead. Uh, no, I just wanted to to mention that also Mako continues to be a very good girlfriend this week. Oh uh, my goodness, she's so wonderful, especially during the whole tournament arc. Ugh. Yes, I mean, not the, the safest uh... the safest place to be is right next to you and then I died. I oh. died and I melted because she's a good girlfriend. And when she refuses to be left behind on the when Yuko's getting on her bike and she's getting ready to go, it's adorable. Oh, it's very good. Yeah. I do like Mako very much. Amelia, you said I she's didn't... adorable. I did. I do think she's won me over. Yeah, like once the series stops being so on, like there, there's time to actually appreciate her as a character and not a, a vec- an endless vector for slapstick. Right. Yes. And she, um, actually, last last time we put up a watch-long episode, I think it was last weekend, um, somebody tweeted at us uh, a link to some artwork that I, is it Sushio from Trigger, did of Marco growing up. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's... Did you see this, Fry? Yes, I saw it in my heart. My heart. It's so She's so lonely. Yeah, Sushio will actually... Girl. 
tweet out art of of Ryuko and Mako somewhat regularly of like them just oh, doing really? things and just being around so yeah and other characters more and more but still them a little bit every now and then yeah I ship it I ship it I didn't think I would but here we go yes. very good <laughs> yeah Mako's really great and her family was not horrendous this time so right her her I did for the first time ever I did not want to kill her father and brother indeed yeah and although when he showed up I did actually notice that he was naked before the mother commented I was like is that just like really visible through oh, his trousers right. <laughs> it was very I haven't seen like I had Dragon Ball flashbacks like whoa yes exactly I think that's the last <laughs> time I, I I've seen just naked penis naked kid penis naked kid penis oh kill a kill yep <laughs> Didn't need that either. Kill a kill. Nope. <laughs> so sisterly bonding aside, what else would you like to see happen? Um, now we're now in the final stretch. Last six episodes. What do you want to get out of this? More body horror and more girlfriends. That's really all I want. That's not a bad combination, to be fair. Those are my favorite things. I think the body horror. I completely agree with you. The body horror they've done has been great. Though I thought I I did think that um, being decapitated would actually kill Nagyo and then it didn't and I was like that's really creepy <laughs> um it was it was great though it was so well done and I don't think anything beats uh Ryuko being taken over by Senketsu yeah, I think that, that that's a was, stellar design that is a devil man was, design it was so good but they are referring back to this and the yeah they're not shying away from the ugliness of their series and I really do appreciate that they're not shying away at all from making these this as violent and messy as it should be they're not glamorizing them which it, I mean it just makes the visual framing when they do kind of frame them for titillation it just makes that all the more uncomfortable because we know they don't have to like they're not that's not what this show is it's almost so it takes like these... feels sometimes like they have a box it's like fan service did we check it today Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes and then they just have to make sure it's in every episode or some form and it's a little it's irritating for sure because you can tell when it's like this doesn't I mean most of course it doesn't need it either because it's fan service but there are specific points where it especially does not need to be framed in a certain way and mm-hmm, it just yeah. feels like they're consciously right. making sure this thing happens every time yeah where it's actually jarring yes to to go from one mode to another if they're in the middle of a fight to the death and like stop for a transformation sequence with flapping breasts like that's and it's it's it's, my eyes roll so hard because like you know normally a a show with a lot of transformations will have a shortened animation no no kill a kill just speeds the animation up yes that's true that's true and they've stopped actually doing the full transformation for the elite four i think Mm -hmm. right so now they just go straight into their costumes which you know as far as nonon's concerned i'm kind of grateful for that um but it's again, it's not quite equitable. Morally, also morally four, more good morally friends. Four is always good, and I really like their friendship actually between the four of them and Satsuki. Now I know what she was working towards this whole time, and their loyalty to her, and the way that they have kind of been strengthened over the course of the series. Like that's an arc I really enjoy. I kind of feel like a lot of other stuff hasn't been necessary around that. Mm. Even the um, the Kansai trip felt like a detour 
Yes, but it was because... a fun detour. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it, it does have its significance, I think, down the road. But also yeah. just to have more of the Elite Four is nice. I actually, I think I really enjoyed the episode with the journalist before finding out it was Harimen Nui. <sighs> uh, <laughs> before that, I actually really enjoyed that episode. Um, and I was genuinely shocked when Senketsu was torn up. Like, I didn't realize at that point how apparently easy it was going to be to pull him back together. But I really did. Like, you've got Yuko, who's obviously deeply upset and not sure what to do, going through an identity crisis. And then you've got this character who's voiced by, I think, Rin from Blue Exorcist. And he's one of my favorite shonen characters ever. And I was just listening to the voice of the journalist going, oh, that's that, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> and then when I realized who it was, I enjoyed it all the more. Um so that was that was good fun for me, um, even if it's got Harimen Nui in it. Not keen. I wish that when Ryuko had put Senketsu back together, she would have gotten a uniform upgrade because Scarf Senketsu was real cute and good. Mm-hmm. Best yeah, form. I could go with that. <laughs> and Ryuko hasn't really had any kind of uniform upgrade, has she? She's like Senketsu can do more things but the actual appearance hasn't changed which I think is quite unusual oh that reminds me there's one more thing I wanted to talk about god damn it I'd almost put it out of my mind go on the convert the, the one of the few chorus sequences that that Mako has during the section when they're at nudist beach deciding what to do and they have that long oh, yeah. conversation about about maidens and virgin and, and <gasps> yeah and I wanted to die <laughs> What a maiden does with her naked body. And it's basically saying that you only, if you're a maiden, if you are a maiden, you only get naked for the person that you're truly in love with. Right. Which initially I took as like super gay between Mako and Yuko. I thought Mako was being like possessive in a really unusual format, but it became a lot less charming very cool well and, and like mako is always at least a little bit ridiculous but she's also the fool character in a shakespearean mm. sense where she yeah. speaks truth to power and it's just so weird to contrast that in this back half when we're getting into the part of these are the themes the show really wants to talk about in contrast to you know satsuki's speech in the early going about junketsu and how she's not mm. ashamed if it gets her what she wants and now we've got this and i'm dying it's killing me. Yeah. It was kill not a kill. nice. <laughs> Indeed. And yeah, I, I didn't enjoy that at all. But it felt... Actually, the, the thing that I didn't like most was that it came from Mako. Yeah, yeah that button. doesn't feel like a thing. That... If it had come from the nudist beach guy or something, like that would have been different. Right. Yeah, discount Akio. Yes, that is a fitting speech for her. <laughs> <laughs> and coming from Mako. That's why I thought at first I was like, oh, that's cute. No. It was not cute. I'll pretend like she's just being possessive. Good. <laughs> yeah, she's just That's being, what's happening. She's just expressing jealousy in, in this kind of unusual way through performance art and mime. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, Miranda, has anything surprised you about what we've talked about today? Or was it pretty much as you would expect for these six episodes? Uh, I guess the only thing that surprised me was your thoughts on Ragyo and her gender that was oh. i think the biggest surprise but otherwise oh that and that you like mako now that is a surprise because it's just more <laughs> mako and i guess yeah her 
I guess getting some time to do other things aside from just being slapstick, goofy girlfriend is good. I think the the more girlfriend she gets, the more I like her. Mm. And she had some stellar girlfriend moments in these last few episodes, and that was good. Mako in isolation, I don't think I could take. Right. Um, no, she's wonderful. Just, read, just that comic, that's her. She's she's pure and sad, and then Miyuko comes, and she's happy. <laughs> anyway, uh so pretty much everything else I expected like this half I think is more solid in what it's trying to do um, so I was generally hoping you guys would like this half more and it seems like yes. you are so that's really good uh, <laughs> though I do agree with the thing it's like you shouldn't have to stick out for half a show if you don't to get to the stuff you may like um, whereas thankfully I like the first half and this half and this half I think is better so I think it makes sense that you both like this one as well um yeah, that's about it. Pretty much expected. And I was ready to talk about that Ragyo scene because, gosh darn it, that makes me so uncomfortable. It's really bad. It's so it's bad. It's really bad. And it's it, like the extra bad, not just that it's an, an assault, but the fact that Satsuki is framed very sexually. Right. As yes, like, that was it. It's got that whiff of, ah, oh, but she enjoyed it, though. And I, yeah. like, not to... You know, that whole thing about sometimes during sexual assault, orgasms happen, and that's okay. But that didn't feel like what this was. Right. It was the framing. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yes, I think I think we're all agreed. Yeah. We're all on the same page. <laughs> that, that was the low point. Oh, also, if Nui could die, that would be great. That's uh, <laughs> consistent with my line of thought as well. Yes, please. <laughs> Your wish please. list has actually grown quite long now, so we're going to have to check in next week <laughs> see, see how many items got ticked off. These are all very simple asks. It's what I ask of every show, for it to be gay and for there to be weird, surreal body horror. That is actually your, your pretty much constant list of requirements, isn't it? Yes, I'm very <laughs> consistent. Girlfriends and body horror. That's, that's a good brand. Um, Miranda, for the next six episodes, have you got any predictions of how we'll react? Hmm. Based on the three quarters of the series so far. Hmm. I predict mild confusion, but also general interest. Like, I think it pretty much stays, I guess, on the same level or stable of the second half like it's consistent in how it tries to present its story and like what it's following and since there are just generally more interesting things happening I think you both will like it more and we've already passed the worst scene there is in the show so or at least that's what Yay. I think it is so well that's comforting I mean I don't think it could get worse than this so <laughs> <laughs> I, I am... no I mean the the incest assault scene I don't think it can get worse than that right. so yeah if you're saying that's the worst scene in the, the entire show I'm quite happy to take your word for that yeah, yeah I, I am curious as to I, I assumed that Satsuki you know showing whatever you know showing herself to be on Ryuko's side would happen later I'm not sure how you stretch this out for another six episodes so cool cool and interesting okay so we're looking for the next six episodes the final six kill the kill the final six we're expecting mild confusion um <laughs> that's good to know in advance i think this is going to be a really interesting discussion next week we're not just going to talk about the final episodes we're going to talk about the entire series as it stands fandom context and everything i think i'm going to try and watch the episodes a bit earlier than i usually do i usually finish within an hour of recording because i put them off for the entire week so this week I will try and watch them a little bit earlier and maybe look up some of the 
think pieces around it and see what kinds of discussions were held I think I'd like to know a bit more about what fandom thought of this series which I've always studiously avoided so looking forward to that discussion very much I think we've covered everything we needed to today think so yep like I, I do want to thank Miranda again for being such a sport and uh, for coming on on these and, and being delightful yeah of course absolutely sometimes I feel bad I'm like <laughs> should I be adding more but um, it's also just nice to listen honestly to hear about what you guys are uh, taking from every aspect of this show and it's been wonderful talking to you guys about it honestly like I love the show obviously but I also appreciate being able to sit down and think about it critically and I'm sure we'll be doing plenty of that next oh, week. Yes. So thank you again for, for joining us for this. It's quite a journey. Um, you can find our work at www.animefeminist.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Anime Feminist. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash animefem. Uh, we have a Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash animefeminist. We actually pay every contributor to Anime Feminist, we pay every writer, every editor, every administrator, everybody is paid. And we can only do this because of our patrons, who are very generous and who are very supportive. Um, we're now uh, paying for kind of everything we can at the moment, but we're not breaking even yet. There are certain costs I'm still paying out of pocket. There are certain people who I would love to pay more We've got premiere reviews, which we do every season, which we currently have to kind of raise money for each time. So we really do need more patrons, more income to make sure that we can continue our work. And I'm telling you, those $1 a month, they really, really go far. They absolutely add up. So if you can spare a dollar a month to help us continue our work or $5, and then you get access to the exclusive Anafem Discord server, please go to patreon.com slash animefeminist and send us that dollar or $5 a month to continue our work. So thank you so much to Fry and Miranda, and we will be back next time with the final episode of 19 to 24 of Kill the Kill.